Hello, and welcome to the Hasta La Visa Baby podcast, a deep dive into U.S. immigration law and its relationship with fictitious characters in television and film. My name is Shai Dayan. I am an immigration attorney with Gibney, Anthony, and Flaherty, and I'm based in Los Angeles, California. And joining me today, as he does for every episode, he's also an immigration attorney. He's also with Gibney, Anthony, and Flaherty, but he's based in New York, and he just wants to make people silky smooth. It's Mr. Roderick Potts. Hey, Shai, how are you doing? Rod, we're in full swing of summer. It's the middle of the summer. Here we are. It is hot outside. Hot time, summer in the city. Getting hot in here. So what do they say? What should you do when it's getting hot in here? You don't have to say it. You don't have to say it. As as the bard said. (laughs) So how's your summer going, Rod? Summer's going well. Took a little bit of time off. Enjoyed a little time with the fam and looking for hopefully a little time off here and there for the rest of the summer. How about you, Shai? I'm disappointed that we don't get summers off like we did in in school, but this is life. This is life. We're not Europeans. Watching watching my children have the summer (laughs) off is not easy. You must be jealous. Yes, very much so. If we were only Europeans getting those forced six to eight weeks of vacation where everything closes. (laughs) I like the concept that it's forced. I like that. Those lucky cats. It would be great. But have you been hanging out poolside at all? I make my way to the beach and to a pool if I can find one. Not everybody in Los Angeles has a pool in his or her backyard. But, you know, I could dig a hole deep enough to get that done eventually. We'll see. Well, Anyhow. I'm glad I'm glad you're making it out to the beach. I, I had a little bit of beach time too myself uh, oh, up in good. New England. So yeah, it's been uh, been an enjoyable summer so far. I'm glad we got to pleasantries out of the way, and now we sure. can get to business. Um, yeah, no one, no one's interested in in us at the beach. Well, we'll do a quiz and see, or a poll, we'll do, a poll, if you will. We'll do, yeah, send a an poll. email. Send, Send an, an email. email. So this is the Asta La Visa Baby podcast. We talk about movies. Most of them are really good. Sometimes we talk about a stinker. Today might be one of those episodes where we talk about a stinker. But before we talk about our episode, we like people to keep subscribing to the podcast. If you have not done so already, you know, please subscribe to the podcast. Rate us. Rod, you can find us on all the streaming platforms. Rod, tell us about those streaming platforms. Where could people find us? So we can be found on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon, and etc. If people want to contact us, and I should say when people want to contact us, because it's always going to be when, not if. Sure. Rod, where can they find us? How can they contact us? What do they need to do? We can be contacted at hasta la visa at gibney.com. That's H-A-S-T-A-L-A-V-I-S-A at gibney, G-I-B-N-E-Y dot com. And if any of you are not familiar with that formatting of letters and symbols, that's called electronic mail yeah. or, or as the kids say, email. Yeah. Right. So, Roderick, I'm going to uh, tell everybody uh, once again what the format for this little show that we do is. It's important that everybody knows the ground rules ahead of time. I always need a reminder. You do. And here it is. So everybody, every episode, we focus on a particular movie or television show that features a foreign national character who is living in the US. We are going to do a deep dive into the movie or television show focusing on the specific foreign national character. We are going to use our immigration detective skills to figure out what the character's US visa status may have been what problems or issues the character may have faced living in the U.S., and we are going to talk about a hypothetical consultation if the character came to us to ask for advice. And finally, we're going to imagine that all characters are living in a 2022 U.S. immigration world. 
So those are the rules. That's what we do here. Sound good to you, Rod? Sounds good to me. Even if it didn't, doesn't matter because those that's what we do. So that's it. Done and done. Like I said previously, almost always we've revisited some incredible movies, some incredible television shows. Today, not sure if it's incredible. However, the immigration lessons from this movie are pretty solid. So anyway, why don't I give it over to you, Rod? Why don't you tell us what movie we're talking about today? And why don't you give us a summary of what happened in this rather interesting movie? All right, sure. So we're talking about 2008's You Don't Mess With the Zohan. So I'm just going to jump right on into it. Like you suggested, Shai, I didn't care for this movie extraordinarily either. So we'll have to get into that a little bit later, but let's get into the background. So yes. you, don't, you Don't Mess With the Zohan was released in 2008. Like I said, it's written by Adam Sandler, Judd Apatow, and Robert Smigel. So Adam Sandler plays Zohan Devere, an Israeli soldier and counter-terrorist. He's somewhat of a celebrity in Israel because of his superhuman abilities and the amount of terrorists he's stopped and captured. You've caught so many terrorists, it's an art. You're like Rembrandt with a grenade. So tired of life in the military, Zohan's dream is to move to New York and work as a hairstylist for Paul Mitchell, a world-renowned hair care brand. While on a mission and while battling with a Palestinian enemy named Fatouche, played by John Turturro, Zohan fakes his death and then sneaks into the U.S. by smuggling himself onto a plane. Upon his arrival to the U.S., pretending his name is Scrappy Coco, Zohan immediately goes to Paul Mitchell's salon in Midtown Manhattan and tries to get a job. He's quickly laughed out of the salon. The cutting, the styling, the making it silky smooth. I want to know who cuts your hair. <laughs> You like this, eh? This is the Avalon, straight from the Paul Mitchell book. I haven't seen that style since Luke married Laura. <laughs> Sister, are you this Laura? You tell Paul Mitchell, Scrappy Coco was here to see him. <laughs> Zohan ends up befriending another Israeli immigrant who works in the electronic business in what appears to be downtown Manhattan. His new friend recommends that Zohan apply for a job as a hairstylist at a local salon owned by a Palestinian woman named Dahlia. The neighborhood where the salon is located is shared by Israeli and Arab businesses. Zohan starts out as a cleaner janitor type, but ends up advancing his way to a full-fledged hairstylist, although his whole approach to the occupation is completely wacky and entirely inappropriate. He's often extremely flirtatious and touchy with older female clients. However, word of his talent spreads all over New York, and Dahlia's business becomes extremely popular. Zohan also falls in love with Dahlia, despite her really showing no interest in him whatsoever. I go out and get us a house over there. We move in together, we cut the hair, make the children, cut the children's hair. Sohan, I can't. I have open mind, but you, Israeli counter-terrorist. No, 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 I don't do this anymore. You put a fork in the fat lady, it's over. She's had enough to eat. This is a promise. It doesn't matter. Well, a taxi driver named Salem, played by Rob Schneider, IDs Zohan, he contacts Fatouche, now a successful fast food restaurant owner in the Middle East. Angered by Zohan's survival after their battle, Fatouche travels to New York to have it out with Zohan. After it is revealed that Fatouche is Dahlia's brother and the Arabs and Israeli business owners realize that it would be more effective to team up against an anti-Semitic and anti-Arab landlord trying to evict them all for their rental spaces, Zohan and Fatouche join forces and defeat the evil landlord. 
At the end of the movie, the Israeli and Arab business owners all work side by side in a new downtown mall development. Zohan and Dahlia, an Israeli and a Palestinian, are also happily married. Thank you so much for the uh, recap, Rod. You know, from that recap that you brilliantly put together, this sounds like a touching, warm movie that has a really good message, a message of Israelis and Palestinians putting their differences aside and coming together to face an anti-Semitic and anti-Arab landlord. But guess what? This movie stinks. It is such a bad movie. It is really not funny. There are maybe like every 10 or 15 minutes, something funny is said. But overall, the plot of this movie is absolutely ridiculous. It's offensive. And I don't what, what do you think, Rod? I agree with you completely, Shy. I love a wacky, stupid movie. I really do. I'll even go out on a limb and say that I can handle a movie with an offensive premise as long as it's funny. This movie was just, I didn't find it funny. I find it actually difficult. It was too, almost an entire two hours long, which is just it's too long for a movie of this kind. <clears throat> And I honestly had trouble getting all the way through it. I really did. Like thinking? I just, I kept looking at my, I kept looking at my watch saying, how long does this, you know, how long? Oh what? Lord. Oh, when will it end? But no. the point of doing this movie is that this is part two of our Asta La Visa Baby co-host cultural heritage series. I should have mentioned that at the Correct. forefront of the episode. Last we, month we did. We a, should have, because this is. Yeah, last month we did a Cuban character in honor of your heritage, and this month we're doing uh, mm -hmm. this movie purely because of my Israeli heritage. My family, my extended yes. family is almost all in Israel, so we tried to do a movie that honored my heritage. This doesn't honor my heritage, however, it is about an Israeli, and it will be good for some immigration lessons that we'll get to shortly. Shortly, and at this point, we'll just jump in very quickly and say that nor did Scarface necessarily honor <laughs> my heritage, but we did a good job in picking two over-the-top films that involve characters. That yeah, we might have picked the two worst characters for representing our heritage, but whatever. We continue. Perhaps, Don't perhaps but we're nothing if not consistent, which, is, consistent. which says something. It says something about us. Well, let's talk about some interesting facts that I gathered for this movie. This movie was written in the year 2000. But the film was delayed after the events of September 11th, 2001, because those involved felt that the subject was too sensitive. And what, in 2008, this wasn't too sensitive? I find this hilarious. Agreed. Yeah. If, I, I, yeah. if anything, it's it might have been more worse. sensitive. More right, sensitive. Yeah, right, probably. Right. Yeah. But this is enough. interesting, though. This is interesting. The film is based in part of the story of Nezi Arbib, an Israeli soldier who, after his service, moved to Southern California and opened a hair salon. Sandler trained with Arbib and his brothers, also former Israeli soldiers, for two weeks to learn hairstyling and to work with clients. All I have to say about that is that in the movie, Adam Sandler's character didn't show that he had learned or gained any knowledge of actual hairstyling from a salon because what he was doing in the movie was completely illegal and yes, wrong. Entirely. Yes. So even at the time. Even so may time. maybe Adam Sandler should have spent more than the two weeks to learn about the ins and outs of the hair salon business. Watching this movie, it did not strike me. I agree with you 100%. It didn't strike me that he really understood a lot about the, the hair salon business at all. I find it very interesting that this movie is actually about ex-Israeli soldiers who decided to start a hair salon business. I would have loved to have seen that movie. That movie might have been a little bit more touching. <laughs> we are stuck with the movie we have. So exactly. Soldier uh, on, as uh, they say. <laughs> More facts. The Israeli newspaper Haaretz noted that while Israeli actors were rushing to audition for the movie, the response among Arab actors was far from enthusiastic. 
Yeah, I, I wonder why. why. I wonder why. I can't imagine. I don't why. know why Israeli actors would have wanted to be in this either. But anyway, further to that point, the character of Dahlia, who was the Palestinian hair salon owner and Zohan's love interest, she was played by Emmanuel Shriki, a Canadian actress of Moroccan Jewish heritage. So that just shows that the Arabs were not running to play these parts. Mm. The movie contains cameos from well-known people such as Chris Rock, Henry Winkler, Kevin James, John McEnroe, Mariah Carey, Bruce Valanche, George Decay, and Michael Buffer. That's a who's who of 2008. That's, yeah, I will say, while I had difficulty getting through the movie, I had difficulty watching the movie, I didn't enjoy all of it. You mentioned there are a couple of nuggets here and there that are worth laughing at, but I will say that the cameos are fantastic in this movie. <laughs> they are random and fun, definitely. Yeah. Final interesting fact this film only has a 37% score on Rotten Tomatoes. Rod, my take is that's way too high. Way too high. Who are these <laughs> Who are these 37% of the people who like this movie? Talk to yeah. me. Let's have them send an email. I would love to hear a full-throated defense <laughs> Support. of this film. Yeah. yeah, just because you know, I, I have my idea. You have your idea. We've discussed this off camera. Now we're, well, on radio, mic, off mic. Now we're on mic. But I would love to hear somebody's full-throated defense of this film. I'm very open to it. There may be things that we missed. Uh, maybe, um, maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I don't buy it, but I like to stay open-minded. Let's stay open-minded. And let's also talk about the character that we're going to be featuring in this episode. There were a number of foreign nationals living in the United States in this episode, a number of them. But mm -hmm. we're going to focus on the main character, Zohan, played by Adam Sandler. So, Rod, sure. why don't you take it away and tell us everything we need to know about Zohan? Sure. So, Zohan is an Israeli military commando type who's uh, who's portrayed as having superhuman fighting powers. His abilities in real-world combat are a little more like Neo from the Matrix than they are like a normal human being. While a fierce army warrior in Israel, he's also seen as a fun-loving, beach-going, hacky-sack-kicking ladies' man. He likes to eat very stereotypical Middle Eastern foods such as hummus and baba ganoush. He enjoys grilling fish on the beach, uh, apparently naked with his friends. And he's even seen using hummus to brush his teeth and style his hair. Zohan's dream is to be a hairstylist for Paul Mitchell in the US. When he tells his parents what his dream is, they laugh at him and they think it's ridiculous. They tell him that if he wants to move to the US, he should go into the electronics business instead. Uncle Levy will set you up at the electronics store. You make money, sow your creative oats. You come back. No, I, I don't want to do electronics store. Then how will you make money? I don't want to say. Zohan, if you can't tell your parents, who can you tell? Come on, Zonli. Hmm? I want to cut and style hair. <laughs> After sneaking into the U.S. via the cargo bay of an airplane, Zohan finds himself immersed within the Israeli and Arab populations in New York City. Not wanting to reveal that he is Israeli in fear that people will find out who he is, he says that his name is Scrappy Coco and that he is from Australia. At first, Zohan is against the idea of interacting with and going into business with any Arabs, and in particular Palestinians. But through his working relationship with Dahlia, the Palestinian hair salon owner, Zohan's attitude toward Arabs, and in particular Palestinians, begins to change. Brother. Here in America, we're the same. 
We're just people trying to get jobs, cutting hair, driving cabs, selling crappy stereo equipment. Hey, it's Sony Guts. Whatever. The point is, we are thousands of miles away from all this hate, and we live together just fine. We do. We do. Come on, people. And by the end of the movie, Zohan and Dahlia are married, and Zohan is an extremely successful hairstylist. Well, that sounds like a touching uh, rendition of Zohan, a touching description of who he is. But he's a weirdo. He's a weirdo. He does a lot of weird things. He's inappropriate with everybody. Incredibly inappropriate. Not a good representation of uh, the Israeli community. So (laughs) I hope that if people see this movie, they don't think that all Israelis uh, grill fish naked on the beach and are inappropriate with women when they're cutting their hair. So, Rod, let's talk about the U.S. immigration principles related sure. to Zohan, because yeah, this is this is really good, actually. Although the movie is quite weird and not the most entertaining, the immigration principles are really great. There's a few different things that we can talk about. So first, we're going to talk about Zohan's immigration background. So, Rod, we know that Zohan entered the U.S. by sneaking into JFK Airport through the cargo bay of an airplane. He then bypassed customs and inspection by hiding in a crate that was holding a dog. This is what we call entry without inspection. So Rod, can you let us know what entry without inspection actually means? Sure. So to lawfully enter the US, one must apply and present him or herself in person to an immigration officer at a US port of entry. The typical example of this is when you travel to the US via an airport and you have to present your passport and have it inspected and stamped by an officer when you arrive. There are also land borders where inspection takes place on the Mexican-American border as well as the Canadian-American border. Entry without inspection means that someone entered into the US without having been inspected by an immigration officer or a border officer. And is this a bad thing, Rod? Yes, it is, Pete. When somebody enters the U.S. without inspection, there can be severe consequences. Of significant importance is really most uh, immediately the inability to work legally in the United States. So the thing, though, here, Rod, is that in the movie, without any discussion of his legal status, we see Zohan working for a U.S. employer. He's working for Dahlia's hair salon. I don't recall any exchange of documents or Dahlia asking about his legal work authorization. So I'm asking you, Rod, as a you know person who saw this movie with an immigration eye, could Dahlia's hair salon have legally employed Zohan? So based on what we see in the movie, no, they just could not legally have employed him in any way. So, so for somebody like Dahlia who owns a hair salon or any U.S. employer, How does the employer legally verify that it is employing those that have the legal right to work in the U.S.? So every U.S. employer, when hiring a new employee, must complete a Form I-9, Employment Eligibility Verification. And and this verification, uh, this I-9 that you speak of, what does it consist of? So the Form I-9 has a couple of different sections, right? So Section 1 of the form needs to be completed by the new employee on or before the start date of employment. And there's questions on there about the immigration status of the employee in this section, just asking about whether or not they're eligible. Section two of the form has to be completed by the employer within three days of the employee's start date. And when completing this section, the employer has to review, actually review the employee's immigration documents to verify that the individual is authorized to work in the United States. And what kind of documents can the employee present for this I-9 
compliance so that the employee can demonstrate that he or she can legally work in the U.S.? So the documents are broken up into different lists. So list A, list B, and list C. These documents can be presented and include things like a U.S. passport, a green card, employment authorization document, driver's license, social security card. Depending on the documents presented, you can present documents to present to prove A, identity, and B, employment authorization. So there's like a different combination of documents you could present as for, from what I understand. Some documents weigh a little bit more heavily than others. So you can present a kind of cocktail of documents, if you will. You can, and it is up to the employee. The employer cannot require specific documents. And tell me something, what happens to employers who violate the law? Employers who either fill out Form I-9 dishonestly or employers who have employees working for them where no I-9 was completed, maybe because such employees are just not, or they're just undocumented. What happens? So employers could face civil violations or criminal violations for failure to adhere to I-9 compliance. Criminal violations would come into play if a company engages in a pattern or a practice of hiring or recruiting unauthorized foreign nationals. Okay, that's very interesting because we see Zohan was working as a hairstylist for Dahlia's hair salon. We see that Zohan brought a lot of business into the company and was bringing a lot of money into the company. So I assume he was getting paid and he was working productively. Is there any way that Dahlia could have lawfully completed Form I-9 for Zohan? Because Zohan entered the United States without inspection, he really had no U.S. work authorization and no documentation at all evidencing any U.S. work authorization. So as a result, Dahlia really would not have been able to complete an I-9 for Zohan. So I'm thinking, Rod, that the conclusion here is that this would mean that unfortunately for Dahlia and her business, she was legally employing Zohan. This could have led to Dahlia's business being subject to both civil penalties and criminal penalties, especially if Dahlia had a track record or some sort of consistency in doing this. True. It is fact specific, but she she definitely could have found herself in some hot water because of this. I'm hoping Absolutely. for the best for Dahlia. I really am. As are we all. As yeah. are we all. Yeah. Well, well, that's the, the visa situation for Zohan as a, as a conclusion. Zohan came into the United States without inspection. He wouldn't have had U.S. work authorization, and it looks like he was being illegally employed by a U.S. employer because of the failure for an I-9 to be completed and mm -hmm. to be on record. And that could be bad for Zohan and could be bad for Dahlia. I think we'll talk a little bit more about Zohan's situation in our much-anticipated consultation section coming up a little bit later in the sure. podcast. Sure. But I think I think it is, is, is important just to point out at this point that immigration enforcement happens both on the individual level for the individual foreign national and at the business level, the employers are looked at as well. I'm not sure that everybody is aware of, of the two-pronged nature of this, but employers are responsible for ensuring that their employees are authorized as well. That's a very good point. I appreciate that you brought that up. And like we said, this movie does have very good immigration lessons to learn from it. Now, I don't know if you've heard this before, but I, I think I mentioned that this is a terrible movie. You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even though this is, this is a terrible movie, it's not the worst movie that I've ever seen. And I think as movie people, we see a lot of movies. Some of them are really bad. Hopefully, most of them are really good, but we've seen a lot of bad movies in our day. We've spoken about this. So in honor of the Zohan being an absolutely awful movie, we're mm -hmm. going to talk about, Rod, the worst movie that you and I have ever seen. 
because everybody wants to know what's on our list of the worst movie ever. We haven't gone over this with each other, and I'm really hoping that we have the same movie that we're going to talk about. I'm really crossing sure. my fingers. So um, yeah, this is totally subjective. This is not objectively done or scientific in any way, shape, or form. This is my gut feeling based upon you know the emotions that I experienced after seeing many movies. Mm-hmm. So Rod, may I start off with the worst movie I've ever seen? Please do. I'm excited for this. Okay. Okay. So Rod, as you know, I was a child in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And in the 80s, there was a series of movies that were beloved by me and many children from the 80s. There was an original trilogy called Star Wars that came out in the late 70s and 80s. I love this trilogy. In the 90s, in the mid-90s, I found out, oh my God, they're going to do a, a prequel. They're going to actually do a prequel series. And in 1999, a movie called Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace came out. And I have never been so disgusted and so disappointed by a movie that I went <laughs> to see in the movie theater ever. And because of that, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace is the worst movie I have ever seen. <laughs> so I can feel your pain on that because we've discussed this probably previously in this podcast. You and I have discussed it individually off mic many times. We were both tremendous Star Wars fans. I did love the Star Wars series. I was very disappointed by the first Star Wars movie to the point where I even refused for many years that it even existed. But when it comes to good movies and bad movies, I take a little bit of a different approach. People who listen to our podcast, as you shine, you know, I I try to be very positive about everything. You're such a positive person. I try to learn. I try to learn. I try to find the good in everything and I try to find I try to find things to love. So what I I actually this type of question really strikes me. It's not for you Uh, because you're such a positive person. You don't like to label things as terrible. You're a good guy. I would rather not. But here's the thing. What I love about this question is that this really opens up an entire genre of movies that I love, which are so bad, they're good. Mm. And so I have seen some really, truly awful movies because I go and I'm a tremendous fan of this genre of just of movies that are, they're made in earnest. They're meant to be good, but they are just awful. And I will just simply say that one of my favorites of this genre, it's a movie that's probably too hot for our podcast. Okay. And it does not have any foreign national characters. Ah, so anticipation. unfortunately, we cannot cover it in this podcast, but that would be the classic film Showgirls. Oh my goodness, Rod. Oh my goodness. That movie is an abomination on all fronts, but it is also a masterpiece on all fronts. And it is just so terrible (laughs) and so fantastic at the same time. What a choice. Is it the worst movie I've ever seen? Probably not, but it to me- It's bad. It is. But it, to me, that film really epitomizes just- the concept of so bad it's good, which is where I like to go when it comes to bad movies. My favorite fact about this movie is that if you watch Saved by the Bell, Elizabeth Berkley, who played Jesse Spano in Saved by the Bell, was the star of Showgirls, and she couldn't have played a character more different than who she played on Saved by the Bell. And Kyle MacLachlan was in this movie, and he's a really good actor. So good actors actors are not immune from being in absolutely terrible films. So so what what a lot of fans of the movie will like to point out is that there was one episode where Jesse Spano was addicted to caffeine. (laughs) I'm so excited. And basically they took that performance and turned it into an entire film. (laughs) What happens when you take so many caffeine pills and the addiction goes so, so, so bad, you move to Vegas and you enter the world of that world. That's all we have to say. And and, and who who knew that caffeine could lead one there? But I am a tremendous fan of the so bad, it's good genre. There are so many great films in there. And so that's where I like to go. 
I did feel your disappointment when episode mm. one came out. And I mm. do want to echo that and mm -hmm. just make sure that everyone understands that, you know, I disapproved as well, but I like to go positive. I like to have fun. I tend to block out negative, who's, you know, fully, fu fully negative experience. Who's so the, I, who's the Jar Jar Binks, the showgirls? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> something to think about, something to think about, something to think about, something to think about. Yeah. Who made a bad movie worse? You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Who made a really, really bad script? Even worse, the Jar Jar Binks effect. Right. I'm going to coin that. I'm going to coin that. Well, well, <laughs> well, that was a fun little little discussion, Rod. I like that. Good to know. I I, I approve of your choice. Really bad movie. And I approve your I approve yours as well. As so. always, we're we're usually on the same page. Okay, so everybody, we've spoken about the worst movies we've ever seen. We've spoken about you know what Zohan's immigration status was, and I think this is a really good time to talk about our hypothetical consultation with Zohan. So in every episode, what we like to do is we like to imagine that these characters, they came to us, Shai and Roderick, for an immigration consultation because they want to know what their options are for living, working, loving, staying in the United States, right? So Zohan, he comes to us. Good news is that Zohan is in New York. You're in New York. I'm in Los Angeles. We'll figure it out. I speak Hebrew. So if Zohan is more comfortable. Yeah, we can Zoom. We can Zoom. We can Zoom. If yeah. Zohan is more comfortable speaking Hebrew, I'll speak some Hebrew with him. But his English is pretty good. So here we go, yeah. Rod. Are you ready? How was his Hebrew, by the way? Was oh, he, my did God. Did he even speak Hebrew? I have a whole, I have a whole rant. We'll get to that. We'll get his, to that. About we'll we'll get to that later. Later. Yeah. Uh, let me stay focused here, though. As an undocumented foreign national in the U.S. who has dreams of becoming a hairstylist in the U.S. and who has just married Dahlia, Zohan comes to us for a legal consultation. He wants to know what his options are for legalizing in the U.S. Rod, what do we tell Zohan? Sadly and unfortunately, I think we have to tell Zohan that because he snuck into the U.S. in a dog crate, nonetheless, and was not inspected, nor was he legally admitted to the United States, he's basically out of luck. There are no laws in place that would allow him to regularize or legalize his status while being in the United States. I think this is very important to note. When somebody comes to the United States legally and overstays, there are options for them to one day legalize the United States. But when somebody enters the United States without being inspected, undocumented, they are really straight out of luck. The immigration regulations don't provide any pathways for them right now. So that's a really important lesson to learn. That being said, Rod, we have to give him some sort of immigration advice. So what kind of options would you give Zohan? Sure. So sadly, the only advice that we can really give him ethically, uh, right. actually, would be that he cannot legally work in Dahlia's hair salon. And we'd also have to advise him that, you know, sort of from his own sort of just immigration standpoint, as an undocumented individual who entered without inspection, he could be detained, placed into court proceedings in order to remove from the U.S. And if that were to happen, he could be barred from ever applying for legal status in the U.S. in the future. Yeah, you know, Zohan had some enemies. There were some people who uh, weren't fond of him. And I think a phone call to immigration services, maybe to ICE. Immigration Customs mm -hmm. Enforcement, you know, listen, there's an undocumented worker gallivanting around uh, downtown Manhattan doing some weird, you know, hairstyles. Maybe you should round him up. So Zohan could have been taken into custody. So what kind of advice can we give him? Maybe that could lessen the possible consequences of him sneaking into the United States without inspection. So the main thing is that he needs to depart. He needs to depart yeah. the United States. 
And he will still run the risk of potentially having major difficulty coming back. If he does not depart, then you he know, could get round up and put into court proceedings, right? Certainly could. He certainly right. could. And if he is put into court proceedings, he runs the potential of being barred for a period of time or even indefinitely, depending on the circumstances. Right. And if Zohan follows our advice and he voluntarily departs the U.S. before going into court proceedings, is it even a guarantee that he will one day be able to legally return to the U.S.? So no, um, there's really no guarantee. And even after voluntary departure, that he would really ever legally be able to return to the United States. During any future future visa interview, his previous transgressions and violations would be taken into account and could be held against him. So basically, there's two things at play here. Number one, if he stays in the United States, he could get put into court proceedings and he could be ordered removed by a judge and then he could be barred for a period of years or from ever returning to the U.S. again. Number two, he could voluntarily depart, but that won't guarantee that he could ever come back because if he goes for a visa interview, he's going to have to say that he once upon a time illegally entered the United States. That's correct. Yeah. His situation, because of the fact that he entered without an inspection, he's sort of in a no-win. He's sort of in a no-win. If he stays he could be removed. And if he leaves, he may never be able to come back. So, you know, in the words of a lot of my clients, I have a friend who, you know, was in the United States illegally and, and got married and got a green card because of marriage. So at the end of the movie, we see Zohan is married to Dahlia. Now, we mm. don't know if Dahlia is a U.S. citizen. Maybe she did acquire U.S. citizenship sometime before she met Zohan. So let's say she did. Let's say that in a perfect world, Dahlia was a U.S. citizen and Zohan married her. Could she sponsor Zohan for a marriage-based green card? And would that solve Zohan's issue? So unfortunately for Zohan, no. Even if she was a U.S. citizen, she would not be able to sponsor him for a green card. In order for a U.S. citizen to legally sponsor a foreign national for a green card, that individual must have come legally to the United States. So like you said before, Shai, there are options for people who overstay, but right. there really are not options for people who enter illegally. And because he did not come into the U.S. legally, He's out of luck. So he's out of luck. Zohan will come to us and he will say things like, but I have a friend who did this and I know people who did this. And we're going to say, no, you don't, Zohan. You don't mm -hmm. have a friend who did this because if you do this, unfortunately, there's no legal path to getting any type of status in the United States. So we'll counsel him, we'll advise him, but the outcome is not going to be to his liking. Right. Even the offers of Free silky smooth haircuts mm. would not be able to dissuade us from telling him what the what the law is. So the lesson out there: don't sneak yourself in a dog crate into the United States. Don't do no. it. Not, no, you know, maybe Certainly at not. first, maybe at first it's fun and all giggles, <laughs> but after a while, it won't pay off. Just won't. Nope. Nope. So. Yeah, nor did it in the cinematic context, if you ask me. But that's that, that, is that neither here nor there. Is that what they say? Mm. Neither here nor there. So Zohan, again, weird, bad movie with some really amazing immigration lessons to learn. Sure. Immigrations or immigrations, either way. Yeah, yeah. Immigrations. <laughs> let's do some overall takeaways from part two of our cultural heritage series, shall we? Yeah, let's do. I have some takes, okay? Take number one. Mm. I think this is a very insensitive and inappropriate movie when it comes to depictions of both Israelis and Arabs. It took way too long to get to the, any of the redeeming nature of any of the nationalities depicted. Like at the end of the mm. movie, the Israelis and the Arabs, they come together and they realize that they're not so different, which we aren't. And they try to, you know, combine their forces for good. But the movie mm. spends so much time making fun of them and just depicting terrible stereotypes that it doesn't pay off, does it? 
I agree with you. The stereotypes are so front and center for so long throughout the movie that by the time everybody sees the light, so to speak, it really is. It's, it's been so long of just wrote low level comedy along sort of some vicious, some yeah. not even real and no. some just some imagined stereotypes. I'm already, frankly, checked out of the film by the time we get to the, I agree. To the reconciliation. This is a walk out of the movie theater type of movie. I'm <laughs> not going to lie. Not going to lie. <laughs> Rod, just like in last month's episode, part one of the co-host cultural heritage Mm -hmm. series in Scarface, same complaints. We have another movie here where native speakers of non-English languages only speak to each other in English. So we have Arabs living in the United States speaking to each other in English, and we have Israelis both in Israel and in the United States only speaking (laughs) to each other in English. Sure. I know know Arabic and Hebrew are probably two languages that are hard to teach to actors and actresses, but come on. Come on, it just doesn't work. It's not good. Like, like yeah, you, you're not going to... It's not believable. It's not believable. I have a lot of Israeli family members and most of them know English, but they don't speak with each other to each other in English. They speak to each yep, other in yep. Hebrew. When we talked last month, my Cuban relatives rarely spoke in English with each other when I wasn't in the room. My brother yeah. and I, we both speak Hebrew, but we speak to each other in English because that's our native language. Right. End of story. Okay, speaking of Hebrew, Adam Sandler's Hebrew accent in this movie is atrocious. Okay. I defer to you I, on that. I defer oh my to you God. on that. I have no idea. As a Hebrew speaker who has mm. spent many, many years listening to Hebrew speakers speak English, his Hebrew accent sounds more like some sort of weird, like French, Yiddish, like marriage of accents. It's it, a strange it, accent it, that I, I couldn't understand. It, the, yeah. the way he pronounces the R's goes in and, in and out. Let me tell you this, Rod. He certainly mm. did not spend the amount of time getting his Hebrew accent right, like Al Pacino spent the time sure. to get his Cuban accent right. I don't think Adam sure. Sandler spent the time like Pacino, an Academy Award winner, did. Sure. Definitely not. And I will say this. I have met many Israelis over the course of my life. And it's always, you know, when you listen to an Israeli speak English, and I know that other Americans have this issue, you try to pick based on an accent yeah, where yeah, yeah. from. I always struggle personally with when I hear an Israeli speak, I'm like, is this pretty European? Where is this person from? And what I found interesting is that he chose Australian. That's- now I get that it's for comedic content because no one would ever suspect. I mean, no one ever has confused an Israeli accent for an Australian accent, but really? Speaking of accents, here's a little lesson for everybody out there about Hebrew. So Mm. in 1948, when Israel was founded, you had Jewish people who came from all over the world to Israel. You had Jewish people coming from the Middle East who spoke Arabic, spoke Farsi. You had Jews coming from Eastern Europe who spoke Yiddish and German. They all came to Israel. And then all these people speaking Turkish, Arabic, German, Farsi, Yiddish, they all started speaking Hebrew. So Hebrew is an interesting accent because it came from all these other different languages. But Adam Sandler's accent doesn't sound good. It's not, it's not well done. Bad, bad. It's not bad reflective job. of any of those. It's not reflective of any of those. Nothing. <laughs> so he found a new one. He found a new one. Speaking of not being reflective of Israel, in this movie, Israelis are depicted as loving to play with the hacky sack. Okay, Rod. I have been traveling to Israel ever since I was mm-hmm. a, a baby, okay? I have spent so much time in Israel. I have never, mm-hmm. not one time in my whole life, I was just there two months ago, I have never seen anyone playing with a hacky sack. It's not a so, thing. You had mentioned this to me before while you were watching, while you were rewatching the film, or we both were watching the film and discussing it before this episode. All I can think of is, is that Adam Sandler grew up in New Hampshire, and perhaps maybe 
in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, perhaps, which I know that he's, he's several years older than I am. I don't know where he was in the mid to late 90s, but Hackysack was big in New England. I can speak for that. Hackysack was big in New England during that time period. So it was probably like know, one Israeli hippie perhaps he, who moved maybe, to like New Hampshire and like played with a Hackysack. It could you have. Know? It could have been. He wrote what he knew, which was, was not Israel, unfortunately. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. We've spoken about a lot of terrible parts of this movie, but overall, Brad, what's the one thing you know about me? What do I love more than anything? I love cats. You love your cat more than anything. <laughs> I love cats. Yeah. I'm a big cat lover, yeah. right? Yeah. In this movie, the I know where you're going with this. The treatment of cats. They were kicking a cat like a hacky sack. I was yes. disgusted and I wanted to For write fun. a letter to Pizza. For fun, yeah. For fun. It just and not funny. Like, I didn't have the visceral reaction that you did, mm. but it wasn't entertaining at all. There was nothing funny about it. Why would you do that to a cat? Because it, it, it just oh. uh, I don't know. To yeah. me, it was just dumb. It was just dumb. Just dumb. Uh, I'm gonna I'm going, you know, there's a lot of takeaways, but because of time, I want to give you my my final takeaway from the movie. Sure. All right. Yeah, sure. I think there's a much better version of this movie that could have existed. If it was made, written, and starring a guy named Sasha Baron Cohen, probably, probably, I think I think he's got a much better sensibility for this kind of movie. We've seen him do accents. We've seen him do characters. His father is Israeli, I believe. He speaks Hebrew. I think he probably mm. knows a lot more about Israel and Middle Eastern culture. I wish Sasha Baron Cohen had done a movie like this, but it I, is and, what it is. And, yeah, it is, and I, I think to your point, Sasha Baron Cohen, I think would have done a fantastic job with this subject matter because I think he knows the people that he'd be satirizing better than I think Adam Sandler did. Uh, yeah. So Judd Apatow, Robert Smigel, Adam oh, Sandler, you I'm guys sorry. wrote this movie. Come to the Asta La Vida Baby podcast. Come on our podcast. Let's talk the show. Sure, yeah. We, we want to talk to you. I'd love to revisit the film and talk yeah. about it. People will, will flock to the podcast to listen to us yeah. interview you guys. Yeah. We could be wrong. We've been we wrong could in be. the past. Yeah. And we'd love to, we'd love to talk about it. Well, that is, you don't mess with the Zohan. We talked about the plot. We talked about the character Zohan. We talked about immigration. We talked about where it ranks against the worst movies we've seen of all time. And that also <laughs> concludes our two of two part series of the Asta La Visa Baby co-host cultural heritage series, something that is going to be talked about for years to come. This is the culmination. This is the final episode of our cultural heritage series. We did it, Rod. We did it. We've our done it. We've our done cultures it. were covered, but not honored. Not by a long shot. <laughs> they were honored on by us, front. but not by the characters. Yeah. Like, yes. Right, right, exactly. right. We like to think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I enjoyed this episode, Rod. And again, like we said at the outset of the episode, if you have not done so already, please subscribe to the podcast and rate us. Rod, you're so good at letting everybody know of the services they can use to subscribe to our podcast. So one more time for the fans. Sure. Well, there are so many. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, we're on Amazon, and etc. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We love to hear from everybody, whether it's Adam Sandler or Joe Schmo in Hackensack, New Jersey. Anybody is welcome to sure. write into us. Rod, the electronic email address that they can write into is? It is astalavisa at gibney.com. That is H-A-S-T-A-L-A-V-I-S-A at gibney, G-I-B-N-E-Y dot com. Next month, everybody, we're going to do a movie that is the most, as far as titles are concerned, the most immigration focused title of a movie that I think we're ever going to do. Probably um, the most on point, I would, I would argue. Point. I think I agree. Yeah, it's a, it's a movie from the 80s, right? It's called Green Card. 
Green card. It's about a marriage. It's about a green card. It's about U.S. immigration and all the the trips and turns and hilarious things along the way. We'll find out. We'll find out. Rod, I had a wonderful time speaking with you. Um, more more fun shy. speaking with you about the movie than watching the movie. How does that sound? Absolutely. Agreed. I agree with you completely, Shai. Well, this was a lot of fun. And Rod, until next time. Hasta la vista, baby. 